presentation. Someone has to go. <laughs> oh, right. Um, we, uh, sir, I wanted to call a meeting before this before this record when I was, but I was working. We need to have a meeting where we set like what the opening is. But hello, everybody, and welcome to. Uh, <laughs> this is all staying in. This the is next all episode of oh No Flicks Given. Um, so I'm here with I'm here with Frank, Matt, and Peter, as we often are. We're, we're back. We're back, and we are getting ready to discuss another film. This week, chosen by Frank. Now, Frank, okay, the, the last movie and, you picked... And it better was, be a good one. Yeah. The, the last movie I picked was Dark was City. Was Dark City. Strong. Which was a banger. So, strong. I think we can so all we agree. Did, so, so, yes. Uh, we, I think we so can all I, agree that that was a banger. And uh, what do you have for us this week? Okay, so I... You guys have to... Well, I'm going to say you have to forgive me, but then you're going to be very pleasantly surprised with this. So I was on the same page as Matt before last episode where it's like, okay, we've got a lot of, we got a little, like a lot of tough ones we've done, a lot of dark ones. Let's do some, like some thing we all love and like, just go back and revisit it. So this is in that vein. And I almost changed it because like we just, we do the great outdoors and it's like a light like movie, but it's just different enough. And I haven't seen this uh, since like 2012, honestly. So, um, w- for our next episode, we are doing the Avengers. What? <laughs> yes. Marvel's the yes. Avengers? Now, let me real quick, before we get into it, because I I have not watched it in a long time. So I, I just want to read, because I was looking up, I was like, how do I sort of like, if I needed to sort of like fill everyone in on this? This is, I found the funniest description of this movie that I'm just going to read out loud before we get into it. So. Released in 1998 and starring Ray Fiennes and Uma Thurman, The Avengers is a reboot of the classic 1960s spy show. We are doing 1998's The Avengers, starring Ray Fiennes, Uma Thurman, and Sean motherfucking Connery. I am so excited. You pulled such a fast one. I love this movie. Cards on the table. I've never seen the 1998 Avengers movie. I don't know what we're getting into. Guys, you are you are all in for a treat. Now is the winter of your discontent. The weather is no longer in God's hands, but in mine. Hundreds of millions will die. They'll drown, burn, Freeze. And this is merely the beginning. Let our revels begin. After tea. Of course. All right. We're back. And we watched The Avengers from 1998. And um, how are we feeling? Frank? Yes? I have a question I'll ask of you. And of course, this goes nowhere. <laughs> Yes. Frank? Yes? How British am I? (laughs) (laughs) The sun never sets on you, sir. Now, establishing that I am British, if we run the gamut from H to Z, you see, I I didn't say A to Z. (laughs) On which which end of the pimpernel do I fall? So I have to confess something real quick, because Peter and I had a sidebar because uh, we had never seen the movie, so we we talked a little before this, and and we have like a very already between even just him and I have a very different takes 
on this movie. Uh, I'm going to spoil it for you. Peter did not like this movie. Did not care for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is which is crazy to me because I fucking hate it. <laughs> That's right. I hate this. I hate this so much. I couldn't believe what I was watching. I was on my phone for almost the whole thing. I don't remember anything. So I will I'm gonna, say I'm, I'm going to do a thing that yeah. happens sometimes thing. on this podcast. I kind of love Avengers, guys. Oh, stop it. <sighs> This this How? this is the camp that Austin Powers aspired to be well, and fell short of. <laughs> well, I, so part of it is my love of older British television because mm. I got what they were trying to do. Also, while no, I, was, I, I got it, I got while it. I was watching it, I read the slash film interview with the director of this film. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! And boy, howdy, is he an angry, angry Canadian? I would imagine that he would be. I, I know at least about how they had to cut it, like from two hours to just under an hour and a half. So, like, yeah. they lost a lot of. But what did was it just? What did they cut? Was it just more of this? Because if the it's more of this tissue, because like nothing makes sense in this movie. Well, there's so there's so they they cut plot shit, but yeah. part of what um, the Avengers TV series was was. Um, for the 1960s, what the early two, like the late 2000s, was for Mad Men, right? So, like the Avengers TV series back in the day, the 1960s British spy television series was sure. all about like the height of fashion, like cutting edge fashion, cutting edge cars. Like the cars in the in the in the TV show were almost as famous as the actors. It was about like mod culture and free love culture and all this other stuff that was like that was becoming huge with the rest of British culture that like the BBC wouldn't touch because the BBC was so conservative. But because this was on ABC, which I don't know what that stands for, but it was one of the first independent British television channels. They could a sort of- a British channel. <laughs> <laughs> it was right there, and he took it. They could sort of they could sort of go there. So the whole like her and like the tight leather suit thing that was like a very mod culture thing. It was like sort of like you take biker the culture suit. Yeah. and smash it together with like high fashion. Um, and if this movie had been successful, it would have been the Mad Men of the nineties. It would have it would have made. The 60s. See, that's a controversial cool opinion. <laughs> I don't. It, all right, it, it, all right. But that's the problem is that it utterly fails at conveying that cool that image. That that yeah. that yeah. It, it it just feels uptight and British. It if it or well like artificially British. Well, and yeah. you also have to feel like the first Austin Powers movie comes out the year before. Yeah, yeah. they knew, and better. it's a huge yeah. hit. And it completely just takes the entire wind out of the sails because yeah. you can't do anything with that anymore because yeah. it all just feels like a lampoon of of British culture in the sixties, and and I, I have to wonder if if that was the reason that Warner Brothers was like, we're pulling budget, you have to cut this shit out of the script because we already know it's going to be a flop because of Austin Powers. Well, so, yes. So, I mean, cutting to the conversation I was planning having. 20 minutes from now. Yeah. Um, well, this is your history lesson? This is this is the history lesson. So, Well, wait. Uh, should, should we just say like what the movie is? I feel like we don't yeah, really we, do a good we, job. Yeah, we really, yeah, we really this, should start doing that. Okay. Um, yeah. This movie, this movie Fra- broke us. Frank, you pick the movie. 
So uh, yes. it's up to you to tell us what happens in the film. Dude, I, I cannot stress how much I was on Reddit on my phone while this was playing. <laughs> like, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it. Just scenes, so, so basically the plot is you have... I'm going to try to get the names right. John Steed yes. is Ray Fiennes. He's a classic British agent, gentleman spy character with a bowler hat. And then you have Mrs. Peel. Peel. Mrs. Peel. Who they, I, I mean, I'm sure that's from the show where it was just Mrs. Peel and they never talk about the husband and it's just Mrs. Peel, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Doctor, Dr. That, right? Mrs. Peel. Yes. Dr. Mrs. Peel. Dr. They didn't Emma mention... Peel. They they didn't actually expand on the the that she's married element at all, right? She just calls herself Mrs. That's all. And do they in the movie? Yeah, they mentioned that her her husband died in the line of duty. Oh, see, so completely <laughs> missed it. But um, okay, so the plot is Mrs. Peel is a suspect in a weather related. <laughs> I have to talk about the weather. Sean Connery's <laughs> wacky talk weather about the machine. Weather? I'm dying to talk to you about the weather. <laughs> um, so Mrs. Peel is a meteorologist of some kind <laughs> who uh, is framed or they think she is. The, yes, she's framed because there was a there's a clone of her somewhere running around. This is literally <laughs> this is how the movie is appearing in my head. This, this all happens in me. this movie. Yeah. Don't stop me. So You're on a, a clone, roll. A clone of Uma Thurman's character, Mrs. Peel, does some steals some meteorological super weapon thing that controls the weather and mrs peel obviously to clear her name she has to team up with john steed to find out who is really the the person doing it they suspect it's this other megalomaniac weather crazed psycho and luckily it just so happens to work out where he is the guy doing it but who is it frank it's sean sir sean connery yes um in a in a like a teletubbies bear costume at one point (sighs) And then a kilt for another scene. And, and you know what's funny that uh, watching this, that a lot of stuff came back to me where this must have been a trailer in front of a VHS tape I grew up with that I watch all the time as a kid. Because there are lines in this that are burned into my mind that I haven't thought about in 20 years. With like Sean Connery saying his speech about like, the cities will, will drown, they'll burn, they'll free. Like all his whole like evil speech kind of thing. So anyway, they... They thwart him. That's kind of it. I don't know what happens in the middle of this movie. There, there's a little <laughs> bit of, of they have Stuff. to kill the clone thing. There is this weird mother and father thing with these other two British people that I, I found just utterly repulsive and weird. And I'm sure it was from the show. Eddie Izzard is there. I'm just like Eddie Izzard is just there. Uh-huh. And they have Eddie Izzard is is, is is uh, practicing the play the character he's going to play in Mystery Men not a year later. Yeah. Except they actually give him mis- some fucking lines in Mystery Men. True. <laughs> Apart from His, Oh Fuck, the one PG-13 oh, fuck, oh, fuck that was allowed. Which I'm, all, I'm pretty positive isn't even him doing it's the not ADR him. line. That's, that's not yeah. no. 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 So, But, but the, the gimmick of it is, it's obviously for anyone who is now Googling AARP, it, they, this was a show in the 60s that you know and grew up with, and, and it was just like a spy show. It was like it was, it was a... a, a a Charlie's Angels kind of like there's a million of these that they came out sixties and seventies. They had all of these and and, and British Charlie's just, Angels is probably the best way to describe it. Yeah, probably. And and it's just like it's literally just like you don't have the money to do James Bond movies, so let's do this 
smaller scale. It's it's like diet James Bond, basically. But before Connor and, begins his history lesson, I the, the only fact I want to share about this movie is that they are invited to or consume tea six times in this movie. Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> yeah. Once so in the car. British. <laughs> How British, uh, British is it? <laughs> so British. Okay, so let let I I have I have a not a history lesson, but I have a I have a rabbit hole. I'm gonna pull you all down later. Okay, but for now, Connor, please just take it away. The, mm. the okay. floor is yours. So to find to fully understand Avengers, would you like some tea first before? <laughs> we- I'm good. Thank oh. you, thank you. Um, uh, to fully understand the Avengers movie, um, I think it was just called. Uh, no, it was called the Avengers. Um, the Avengers, a yeah. solid. 15 years before the really famous Avengers movie came out. Um, The Avengers was a television show that ran in the UK on ABC for six seasons or a series. But but not American ABC? No, no, no. So so ABC is the American Broadcasting Company, BBC Television, and I don't even know what it stood for, honestly. Um, Anglo something. (laughs) um, So... Yeah, so in the UK for a long time, for, for in the early stages of television, if we want to go back this far, um, the television was made by the government. It was the British Broadcasting Company. It was sort of an offshoot of the, of the government. In the 60s, independent television stations, uh, companies started to emerge, and one of them was ABC. And I think initially they only ran during the weekends. Um. ABC had like one show that ran, um, that like one independently produced show. And then they would do like re- like reruns and like syndicated stuff um, until they did. They they came up with the show, The Avengers. The Avengers was sort of made at the hot of like the height of Bond mania. So it was a British spy Mission mm-hmm. Impossible solve problems thing, and it was originally about. The female lead, whose name was actually Kathy Gale, um, before Mrs. Peel showed up, there was another um, hot British lady that was sort of the main character of the Avengers TV show, played by Diana Rigg of uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service Mm -hmm. uh, fame, playing the character uh, that James Bond marries in that movie. Or, or, Or Leanna Tyrell from Game of Thrones. Yes, yes, um, and, and then Kathy. Sorry, I got I got got some stuff confused. Kathy Gale was played by Honor Blackman, who went on to play Pussy Galore. There in, we go. Um, Gold in Goldfinger. Uh. She was replaced by Dan Diana Rigg, um, who played Emma Peel. And then as time went on, they swapped her out. I think in the last couple of seasons with somebody else. Um, so this show winds up being super famous, and like I was saying a, a little bit ago, it was sort of like where hot culture went to go happen. So, like, the clothes that Diana Rigg wore um, in each episode was, like, was the height of fashion at the moment, would set trends for months and weeks in in, in any other direction. The cars that they drove would be, like, the hot cars that would be purchased. And then John Steed went from being, like, a trench coat-wearing private detective type to wearing essentially the like the business uniform of Britain at the time. Um, like the bowler hat, the umbrella, the three-piece suit. That's just what guys that went to work in London at the time wore and has t- become sort of an anachronism. But so, yeah. So, so when you think of Avengers, 
when the show ran in the 60s, you think height of culture, as cool as, some, as stuff got in the, in the 60s in the UK. Cut to, um, in the 1990s, uh, there was this director named Jeremiah Chechik, I believe is his name, is how you pronounce his last name. Yeah. He's a, he's a Canadian commercial director who first gets attention because he directs a, I believe it was a Miller Lite commercial. It's a beer, he directs a beer commercial that, um, I'm terrible with names. Director of The Shining. Help. Kubrick. Uh, Kubrick. Yeah, that Stanley Kubrick thinks is like the height of cinema for a second. He's discovered by Stanley Kubrick, uh, is brought into Hollywood, and directs a movie we talked a lot about last week, Christmas Vacation. Yeah, I saw that. Um... He become Christmas Vacation makes a shitload of money. He gets not quite the Hollywood blank check, uh, but is sort of like being um, uh, courted by various people in Hollywood. And a producer by the name of Jerry Weintraub is trying to do an Avengers spinoff. Now, remember, in the 90s, we're in a period where remaking old television shows as feature films is a recipe for money and success. So we have like the Brady Bunch, you have the Beverly Hillbillies, you have... Get uh, Smart, although I guess that's like early 2000s. That's, that's a little later, but yeah. yeah same Real idea. quick, before we go too far, this that's the rabbit hole we're going down later. So just put a pin in that and okay. continue on. Cool. So I'm going to skip some of that. Um, so Jeremiah Cheshik and uh, Jerry Weintraub come up with this concept of basically bringing the Avengers into the late 20th century. To, they're, they're, they want to make this basically surreal comedy that references this old TV show where that's the height of glamour, that's like talks about how cool things can possibly be. Um, apparently, when uh, Jeremiah Chechik read the script, it was the teddy bear scene that made him want to direct the movie. Um, which, not going to lie, watching it again, I get, I get it. I get it. I'm, I love the teddy bear shit. Um, they shoot the movie based on the script that they wrote. Two hour move. Two hour long. Two hours of movie that is again surreal, more surreal and funny. It's sort of like if if Austin Powers was smart or intellectual. Intellectual Austin Powers is kind of what they make. Um, okay. What the studio really wants is an action movie, just a straight up action flick. So as they're going through the editing process, they start interfering more and more and more with the creative process and cut it down to be a bog standard hour and a half long comedy out of this like weird British art film. Um, and that's how we get what we have today. It, is that to our version available? No, um, actually in the interview. So, so I got a lot of this information from a, a slash film interview with Jeremiah Chechik from 2016. And he was saying that, um, he, the footage is still available. And if he was allowed to, he would like make a director's cut tomorrow, but, mm-hmm. um, it's nowhere to be found. So my main problem with this was just like, there's no angle to look at it through that isn't part of the absurdity of it. Yeah. Um, everyone is in on the joke and 
I except for the audience. Re- yeah. Except the audience. And I really just, I, it, and there's nothing to ground you in it. And, and there are movies that are crazier than this that work, but, but this is like every character is so over the top and out of it. And, and, and also characters just, and probably this could be due to the editing down, but like none of them really feel like they have any sort of, main character energy to like they're not going through anything you would think mrs peel would be the main character because she is the fish out of water person but then she's like super competent i get you want to get them the two of them being the the duo together but like she's not learning anything about anything no there's i can't i can't remember like they just randomly decide scenes for like who's going to get the one up on the other with no context for any character They, they also have this weird britishness to it where it's like there is very little emotion going on. Like Ray Fiennes has yeah. the same exact expression on his face throughout this entire movie, and he is a very yeah. good actor. Yeah. So yeah. that that is clearly a choice. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Uma Thurman. They, they they have this disaffected like British stiff upper, upper lip thing going on the entire uh, movie, and it is they, they look like robots. They well, look like the, straight up robots. So the way it, I was the way it comes up with a combination of the dialogue and the delivery for most of it, especially like the the when I was thinking of it as the opening the sequence where they're driving together and just saying words at each other. I was sitting yeah. there going, I feel like I'm playing Skyrim, and these are two NPCs that are just having a conversation that <laughs> means nothing, like yeah. behind me, and it's just happening and has yeah. little yeah. to nothing to do with what I'm focused on. Which I think in the original incarnation of the movie, that was the joke. Like the yeah. stiff, like the stiff upper lip Britishness of it all was what was funny about it. And but it gets but that gets lost. Yeah. It's like it's it's like watching the nineteen sixty six Batman TV series without yeah. understanding that it's a comedy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you could do that. I think the, the with Batman, it's so in your face with, with how goofy it is right out of the gate. We're like this, but the way they just, what they decide to leave in the movie, this is so frustrating how few times they don't go for the joke. Yeah. And there's just something where it's like, okay, that's silly, I guess. But like, are they, is this supposed to be a funny moment like Austin Powers or is this supposed to be part of the real plot? Like, what am I supposed to, there's no distinction between like what I'm laughing at and what's a spoof and what is like structurally there for the plot. Yeah. It's also very dry British humor. It is. (laughs) Yeah. I was, I was going to say, even, even with the sixties Batman, you know, the kid to the kids, it was serious as a heart attack and, and there were, you know, jokes in there for the adults. But in this, I, I see neither. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, they're they're in British humor. Like, if you watch The British Office, there's a sort of, like, agreement between the people that make the show and the audience that what we are all entering into right now from the very beginning is a joke. There's no invitation to it. There's just an understanding between everybody. When you laugh, your brain releases endorphins, yeah? Your stress hormones are reduced, and the oxygen supply to your blood is increased, so... You feel, I try and laugh several times a day just because it makes you feel good. So let's, let's try that. Hey, <laughs> just, just, <laughs> come on, trust me, you'll feel. <laughs> is, is that just the trick that British people keep playing on each other where they're just like, this is comedy, right? <laughs> well, We're thing, all enjoying this, right? The, the thing is in, in like, especially like, high clash British culture, you don't really get to talk about your feelings. It's, right. it's all 
understated. Americans are very are much better at saying like this is this is what I'm feeling right now in this moment. Um, the British, again, especially in that era amongst that particular class, uh, were are much more repressed in their ability to be honest with each other. So a, lo- a lot of the humor is subtext that is all sort of everybody like making eye contact like you get my joke yeah you get that joke it's a funny joke yes we all agree that this is the height of humor exactly yes. yeah we are amused yeah i think and the major failing here is the studio trying to wrest control of the yeah. original theme of the movie and the and the tone of the movie and trying to just turn it into eh, it's 90 minutes of action spy bullshit is it mm. is it though because there there must be full sequences in here that remain that are, i'm just like that like they, i don't i didn't really feel anything at any point with this and so i can't imagine adding 30 minutes to whatever this is would recontextualize it to a degree where i fundamentally change my feeling on it i don't i feel like that might be honestly there's to me just viewing this there that could be the studio saw it. They got what he was trying to do. It wasn't working and was like, let's cut our losses, cut it down, be an action movie. Like, let's try to get a few more screenings in. And in his eyes, yes, they butchered a movie that would have worked, but like maybe it wouldn't have worked. Like, I don't know if this would have landed because this is I, I, I did not laugh. Well, I mean, that's the tragedy of it is that we won't get to see right to compare it. Yeah. And honestly, I think it's a total possibility that the movie that they wanted to make was not very good at all. Um, yeah. You know, um, I mean, like, so, like part of the humor of the movie is understanding that Sean Connery, the ultimate James Bond, is playing a James Bond villain. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you have to be able to enjoy the movie at that, like... <laughs> Meta level, yeah. That's so <laughs> yeah. that that that's not remotely funny to me that he's just in it because he's not playing like a trope, like he's not playing against type necessarily. He's just being Sean Connery as the bad guy. Ah, uh, yes, the monsoons. You can get ten yeah, inches yeah. overnight. Right, can we, look, can we talk about the weather. Can we please <laughs> talk about the weather. Because if 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 you put a gun to my head and you said, based on what you watch, describe the plot of the 60s Avengers show, mm-hmm. I would have to include every plot was weather related because they <laughs> could not shut up about the weather. Is right. Mrs. Peel a meteorologist in the show and it's always it's no. connected to that? She's is, just like a, so she's she's just spy. a spy. Yeah. She's just another spy. So like, what are we doing with the weather? Why did they throw that in there? The it ju- makes it feel so like so foundational. The joke is, Frank, that the only thing British people talk about is the weather. the weather. And that the the thing the thing that will save them all is an umbrella. Right. Mm-hmm. That, I, I guarantee you that's what the joke is. John <laughs> Steed always has an umbrella. The major villain is a guy that can fuck with the weather. Yeah. It's so not funny. The amount, <laughs> the amount of shoveling you need to do to find that level to the joke, you'll you're too exhausted to laugh. Like there's nothing. No, see, see, this, as, a, as a guy that watched um, the old Wallace and Gromit clay, claymation movies um, back when I was a kid, and who my grandmother loved um, what I called uh, British geriatric comedy, which is like One Foot in the Grave and um, Faulty Towers and Faulty. There was an oh shit, was it Keeping Up Appearances? If you oh, yeah. and um, are you being served? Um, yeah, I was 
just steeped that uh, tea joke just steeped <laughs> enough in uh, in that kind of <laughs> Peter's taking off his headphones and he's leaving the room <laughs> going straight past the altar heading down the ramp I real quick while we uh, I just want to make sure that I'm clear with this every single piece of British cult, pop culture you've been mentioning I love like mm-hmm. this is not this is not a disconnect with me and British comedy at all I I'm a huge fan of all of that stuff. Love the British office. And I feel like I have to make that clear where it's like, I get the British humor. thing. <laughs> I am is, not the this problem. Is not it's them. This is not no, British humor. Children I'm, I'm totally, I know the thing that, that as often happens in, in our show, Frank, I'm totally on board that we had very different experiences of this film. It is totally like a lens that we are looking through the movie, looking at the movie I, through. Thing. I know. I'm just, I'm disappointed. Cause like, this should be something I can get on board with where it's just like, this is easy. It's, it's colorful. Like it's fast. Like let's, let's go with it. But like, man, especially when Matt, you're talking about that car scene of them. Like I was sitting there and I'm like, if family guy had a cutaway joke where it was like, and now let's cut to an episode of the Avengers. And it's just that scene. It would just play out exactly like that. It, it feels like it's its own satire without being in on that version of the joke because, because yes, it's, 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 Funny that the banter is so over the top, but like, that's all they got, and they're doing it for ninety minutes. So, and, so Matt, Matt, what did you think? I, I feel like we haven't heard enough from you yet. I, well, I just i I did not know that that was what they were going for from based off of what Connor was talking about. So I, you had seen it though, right? I had seen you had it. Seen so this. my parents rented this as a kid, and I I saw this when I was when it came out. So. I remember, like, I had forgotten about the teddy bears until I saw them again. I was like, oh, Christ, I forgot this <laughs> But, like, I remember Sean Connery being the bad guy. We, we predominantly rented it because my mom will always watch a movie that has Sean Connery in it. Fair. So that was probably the the impetus for it. And I don't remember, like, I remember we watched it, and I don't, like that, that it was like we watched it. I remember like the bits and pieces of it, and I understood at least because my dad, I think, at some point had seen some of the 60s show, so like he was able to explain some of the basic concepts of it. But right. other than that, that was my experience with the Avengers up until watching it today. And then I was just it, it now I, I understand what they were going for, but it, it just yeah, it, it was hard for me to to keep my attention on it right um so yeah so a uh, personal story of, of for of connor this movie was, was released um in august in the middle of august of 1998 which is where they dump movies that you know they have to release contractually basically yeah i saw this movie alone when i in 98 i was 12 um no, I was about to be 12 in August of 98. So I was 11. I saw this movie alone in a theater with two... If this a- story ends with you saying, and that's how I fell in love with movies, <laughs> I'm going to lose my <laughs> fucking mind. Well, so... So, I, so um, this won't come so as... So you're a, alone in the theater, yeah. This won't come as a huge surprise to the, you guys who know me. I was a bit of a loner as a kid. And sometimes I would just go do shit by myself. So my mom dropped me off at a movie theater, and I was me alone in a movie theater with, like, two adult men who I remember as the lights went down, one of them said, please don't suck. 
um, which I, ref- I I am assuming is them talking about the movie. <laughs> oh. um, Connor, I, did you did you accidentally like infiltrate like a, a gay sex ring I, as an eleven year old? Certainly hope not. The, I mean, were the, were the, the two men the, sitting next to each other? The, the fact that I didn't remember like 90 percent of this movie didn't was not comforting to me. Um, the one thing I did remember was the teddy bear on the glass elevator that points at them, like, yeah. Um, which I laughed at then, and I laugh at now. Um, and I remember at the time being like, "This is this is bad. This is a bad movie. This is not a good movie." The people that made this movie didn't didn't do a good job. Yeah. Um, but I also liked everything back then, so. Yeah, I. I Frank, it, you look like you're <laughs> processing something. Well, I, I I remember the trailer. Like I said, I was however old this I was 10 when this came out and I remember being like that looks so cool this looks so cool there's like explosions and stuff and and this was at the at the the tail end of the 90s they got really good at like big trailers to yeah. me and like the, the sort of like I mean we've covered a bunch of deep rising or like the matrix or blade well, or any of the stuff they this just was, like look this was also the era like bond was back yeah this was the same year that lost in space came out I think um, this was, there was a lot of like cool shit in the, it, like in the air that yeah. would have indicated that this movie would have been good or at least entertaining. Um, yeah, there was a lot of, and yes, I am suggesting revival. that Lost in Space is a good movie. Oh, it's a fun movie. I, 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 yeah. I last time, it's one of those ones where you have a couple of those movies where you're like, okay, R. the R. last time I saw this, I liked it, but I know if I go back, it's going <laughs> to ruin it. So I'm leaving it alone forever, and I'll always say good things. Isn't that the, uh, the opposite that. of what Give It Five was about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Do as I say, not as I do. I mean, but that's how you end up with Santa Claus the movie, so. Oh, God. Okay, so I want to I take us down a little journey, and this is not as an extensive a history lesson, but... I think it's time to have a bigger conversation around 90s movies based on 60s television shows. Yeah. Awesome. And I put together a list and then I want to I want to say some of my my things to glean from this list. So I'm going to just read off a bunch that I found. These might not necessarily all be exactly 90s or exactly 60s shows, but like you know, they'll they'll all kind of fit into it. So we have uh The Adams Family. Good we have movie. the Brady Bunch movie. Have Avengers, obviously. Mr. Magoo. Lost in Space. One that I actually forgot about, but counts, is Mission Impossible. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Flintstones. Yeah. Beverly Hillbillies. Another one that I, I almost hesitate to even bring up and add to this list, but The Fugitive, technically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, my Favorite Martian. <laughs> Wild Wild West. Yeah. And then we start to get a little goofy. Uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Which I think might have been 2000, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, Dudley Do Right, yep. Inspector Gadget, and Mikhail's Navy. George, now, of the, George of the Jungle would also qualify. George of the Jungle. Yeah. Okay, great. That that's yes. So I put I put these together and I'm looking at it. I'm like, the Avengers doesn't work. So which was, of these was there actually, not a Star Trek movie that came out in the 90s? There were several Star Trek movies that came. But they out were in the next. Gen, they were next generation movies. Yes. 
I mean, and there were two episodes, two new episodes of Star Trek coming out consistently from like 1991. Um, for sure, Undiscovered Country was a 90s movie. Am I wrong about that? Undiscovered Country, Generations, First Contact, and Insurrection are all 90s Star Trek. Movies. But Undiscovered Country is so late and in the movie Nemesis? run of Star Trek that does, that doesn't count as based on a 60s show. That counts as like the based. next of a <laughs> 70s and 80s sci-fi. That saga. counts as based on Star Trek movies that came before it. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I just wanted to throw so, in a Star Trek movie. For Matt, that's that's all I was worried about. <laughs> but I was looking at this at this list and taking out the the ones that kind of like have transcended this and become their own thing. Mission Possible, The Fugitive, the ones to me that are like cream of the crop, whereas most of these are utterly forgettable, is a the Adams Family, yeah, which I I consider like holy shit, an amazing fucking movie. If you haven't revisited that anytime recently, that is crazy good. It's actually um, kind of shocking how good that movie is. Gomez. Querida. Last night you were unhinged. You were like some desperate howling demon. You frightened me. Do it again. It's, it's, cr- it's so insane how good that movie is. And then the other one that stood out to me that... I couldn't get away from. What are you going to say, Matt? Uh, no, now that I was just thinking, because for some reason I made a connection in my brain. Would Casper also fall under this purview? Because Casper is... Yeah, yeah, I think so. So that was I another so. one from... <laughs> well, I was I was yeah. going to say, you could blame this all on the 1989 Batman for kicking off this trend. I was holding that well, back, th- Peter. Thank this, you. A little bit. This specific trend, I think is more Adam's family. Sure. I think Adam's family was like 1990 and was a huge crazy hit at the time. And I think this is a little bit more of that. Batman I mean, I guess my question is, does, does bat, does, does the Adam's family movie get made if Batman is a flop? Oh, maybe not. Maybe not. And, but I think, um, I don't know. They're, they came out like a year apart, so they might've already been in production. But anyway, to me, the other one that jumped out that I couldn't get away from thinking about the Avengers is, the Brady Bunch movie. Yeah. I was and about that as well. if you haven't, if you haven't gone back and watched the Brady Bunch movie, they do something in that movie that I don't think any other ones on this list really do, which is the, the, the joke of it is like, if you take the exact Brady Bunch show, the exact family exactly as they are and put them in nineties culture where everyone else thinks they're insane. Basically it's so far removed from their world that the Brady Bunch becomes the Adams family because they're so insane. Yeah. And I'm looking at that. I'm like, why the fuck would you not do that with something like the Avengers or, or any, almost any of these you could, you, you, that's the, that's the recipe for success with this format is like, you have to make fun of this somehow instead of like the Avengers refuses to find humor in the show itself, they're rather like, no, 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 we had it right in the 60s, exactly. We're just going to do a 90s version of that rightness, which is not, it's it's dated. We're it's, like, it's like the joke of, if we were going to fix the flick, so to speak, mm-hmm. the joke of Avengers should be that um, this gentleman spy and his like mod girlfriend are trying to uh, trying to be spies in the 20th century. But isn't which that, is, that's the Austin Powers show. Which well, is the plot the of the event. Uh, yeah. Which is the plot, plot of, of Austin Powers. Plot of Austin but, Powers. but this is, this is, that's not far off from the fix of my movie, which is you have two characters that don't know each other in separate worlds. John Steed, Mrs. Peel are exactly how they are in this movie. They are so annoyingly Britishly suave, but everyone around them is in the nineties and thinks they're such losers and weird. 
and John Steed is like, he thinks he's cool and he does cool stuff, but no one can recognize it because he's so like cliche. Yeah. And then these two people find each other. The only other person in the world that also thinks like them, it's Gomez and Morticia yeah. literally bumping into each other. And suddenly you have like this perfect pairing and the rest of the movie is like straight up, like across the board nineties action movie. But these, but you have the Avengers show thwarting the plot of a nineties action movie. It's like if you mash that- together Austin Powers and the Kingsman. Yeah, a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, but that's an- what you another, do with an- this. another adaptation, The Saint, that came out around the same time. Oh shit! Mm. Is that I've, is that the Val Kilmer? Val Kilmer one? plays a gentleman thief that was from like old time radio. Yeah, got to, there was a TV series about it, but um. But I am gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send this list out to the chat Listen. so you can all see it, and, and if anyone wants to sort of pull on these threads because this is a lot to talk about here. Oh, that, that sent horribly, but I think you get the gist. Yeah, yeah. wasn't um, um, Roger Moore? in one of the iterations of the saint, I feel like, like he might've been, yeah. he might've been on the T like a TV series or, yeah, that's or, or a saint movie from the seventies. Cause yeah. the saint is an old character. Yeah. Um, lots of ju- bond keeps working his way into anything vaguely British. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, I mean, bond the, never went away. He was a gravity well for, he's still a gravity well to this day. Yeah. I mean, the, tr- I mean, and that's kind of the trouble of trying to, uh, to adapt the Avengers into a movie. It's like, it's, it was already a ripoff of James Bond, um, and then yeah. parodied by Austin Powers. So, like, you wind up being this middle ground that can't really entertain anybody unless it, unless you do it really well. Yeah, that's that's two strikes against you before the You're trailer the comes gates, out. Yeah, nobody talks about it, but the event Austin Powers demolished so many things oh, yeah. and made like Austin Powers is the reason Daniel Craig was bombed. Yeah, like, yeah. The reason Casino Royale exists is that Austin Powers Yo, came out and they're like, Oh my God, well, we cannot compete with this. That's why they went from doing, you know, trying to recapture the glory of like the sixties bond to just doing the Jason Bourne movies. As yeah. Bond. yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Yeah. That because Austin Powers came out and they were like, "Well, fuck that!" Just killed. It's more of a that that, that killed James Bond more than that barrage of rockets did. We're not going to talk about. Still, it makes me a little sad because there there has to be a reset at some point. Like we can't just keep getting grittier and grittier and grittier. Even though you know we love <laughs> Batman's the new doing Batman. it just fine. Oh, it's it's <laughs> awesome. And, but but like there is a part of me that wants like can't be Batman again. Yeah. Like there's a, there, there is, I think somewhere a happy medium. Cause I mean, what we're talking about with bond is very much a similar thing that happened with star Trek when galaxy quest came out that just took the piss out Mm -hmm. of it all. And there was this weird overcorrection of star Trek being like, Oh, we have to get dark and gritty. And then JJ Abrams almost hits it and fixes it with his first Star Trek movie and then pisses all of the goodwill away by going straight back into like, oh, the Dark Knight came out, so now we have to pivot again. Yeah. I mean, the the only other franchise that is doing this in reverse is the Fast and the Furious. And they're going to make another 10 of them. Yeah. Because they they just keep getting campier and like more over the top. Like, I want to see James Bond go back to space. Oh, my God. Well, there's certain, I mean, James Bond, you can get, campier and it works like like you have to just find like what thread to sort of pull on with it where it's like batman you could yes at some point they will do another iteration of the 60s feel because we're getting so tired of but batman will always be a quick vacation into schumacher 60s batman tv show and then we're back into the gritty for another like 25 years 
Well, I mean, the, the the way that they do it is with is is with Lego Batman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's I mean, like they they do they do parody Batman shit in, in for in a not for adults audience. Well, and they, they, wasn't wasn't the Dietrich Bader was it Batman the Brave and the Bold or something? Yeah, like that, that was on, very on much Cartoon in Network. That. Yeah, yeah, that was very much yeah. in that. I heard that was too. good. So it has I a heard place. That was okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, good. there's a place yeah. for it, and it's it's not that you don't have to do this at all. They worked, but. The, they worked the question in. Yeah, I love the question played by. Uh, uh, oh fuck. Um, Wait, the character, the question. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That's a deep cut. That's he's my. He, he, uh, if I was gonna make a DC movie like tomorrow, oh would sure, be the question movie. Same, I would love um, that. He'll never get a movie ever. No, but I, no, I, I would, no. I would well, love that. Well, the whole that. point of like the, the whole point of the question comic books when the question comic books are really good was how bad of a superhero he was. He was just terrible <laughs> at his job. Um, Jeffrey Combs, that was the name. Jeffrey was, Combs. Yeah. He was the he was the he was in the Justice League of America. Uh, cartoon. I don't know if he was. The, I don't know if he played the question. In, oh, in okay. Bold. Well, anyway, but but he did a great job as playing playing the question. Oh yeah, but that, that that's the place where you can work in films. like like crazy villains like Condiment Man and, and shit like that. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. But I, and I think with regard to the Avengers, I think there there could have been and there may have been a sweet spot in tone and and yeah. portrayal. That they could of have course. hit, and yeah, uh, I it feels like at this point, based off of the interview that Connor read, is that we will never know the truth of of what it could have been. It's the same problem with Fan Four Stick of like we don't really know what the original movie was going to be, yeah. um, and we probably never will. So it's hard. Like I I, I don't want to yeah. rest everything on well, it it might the the director's cut would have been better, but I I yeah, have I, to imagine it would have been at least more cohesive than this was. <laughs> It it'll be more. It would probably be more interesting. It, it would be a more interesting mess. I would. I'd put it that way. Where it's like I can't imagine. There's many examples of a movie that was good, and then a studio made it bad to that that crazy degree. Where it's like, yeah, generally, it something about it wasn't working, or they decide like they found it wasn't going to be successful. It might have been a better version of the the director's cut. Probably was better, but like. Generally, it wasn't working if the studio is really messing with it too much to that to that degree. There's probably some examples out there that there are a few very. I mean, Blade, Blade Runner, Run, yeah, was example. Gonna, yeah, the Crow, the Crow Two, but Blade was Runner was still good when it came out. It's yes, it's a there's a better version of it. Have you seen the director's cut? But <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the Crow City of Angels is my sort of er example of that because. Guess you got involved the fucking Weinstein's. Yeah, um, they were just like remake the first one. The first one did really good. Yeah, um, and the director of that really wanted to do something different and interesting with it. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a great good f- bad flicks about that. Yeah, Kingdom of Heaven's another example for me where like the theatrical cut of Kingdom of Heaven is is does not work and does not make sense. But if you sit down and actually watch his cut of it, you're like, oh, it's this really is good. An entirely different fucking film. Really, i i have I have to sit down and do the director's cut of that movie. Oh, it's one of I my didn't favorite. Hate Kingdom of Heaven, but I knew it was definitely like not. It it fe- yeah. it has some of the same problems that the Avengers has, where they've cut out so much stuff that you're you spend so much time trying to think about, like, yeah, well, what's this character doing, or like, how did we get to here, and everything else that you're losing yeah. what they're even showing you anyway. Yeah. And I, I mean, can't believe how little we've talked about the plot of the Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's really kind of secondary. Yeah. Um, although it's inter- it's interesting, the trailer that we've re- we've referenced to a few times, we've referenced a few times, has shots in 
has shots from the director's quote unquote director's cut of the film that did not make it into the into the final cut of the movie. Um, there's I my belief and understanding based on the original trailer that I remember I, that might have honestly been on the Lost in Space VHS. Now that I'm thinking, that would about make it. sense. Um, had a lot more of the uh, Uma Thurman clone shit going on yeah like the whole like how now brown cow thing in the red phone box thing i think was actually like a plot point um of like them solving the riddle of how to get into the red phone box secret tunnels or whatever oh yeah to the bad guy it totally feels like a payoff that was never or barely set up yeah um but again like a like a payoff that's also a, a, a plot payoff. That's also a payoff to a joke. And the joke is that the villain is absurd. Yeah. How, yeah. how many people do you think listening to this episode are still waiting for us to talk about Tony Stark? <laughs> <laughs> someone, someone definitely put it on right when they started driving and they haven't had a chance to press to get their phone to turn it off yet. <laughs> to that Did person, I, to, to mm, probably Daniel mm, Campbell. Mm-hmm. I'm very sorry. <laughs> We we do owe I think we owe down the road we owe everyone a, a, a real Avengers episode yeah and cool. it'll be out of the blue and honestly it's going to be labeled on our podcast feed as something else and then you're going to put it on and it's going to be the, the Avengers talk we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> get you because there's nothing better there's no better podcast strategy than completely fucking with the only oh, people yeah. listening to your podcast what do you think is like the ultimate movie to do that with where everyone's going to be like. You want them to click it, but you want them to be just begrudgingly listening to it. Our April Fool's episode that you guys did of Back to the Future <laughs> is That's my up favorite there. example of that. Because people yeah. are like, did you know there's another show called Fix the Flick? And these two random ass guys were talking about Back to the Future we, for like half I, an hour. I legit yeah. got text messages <laughs> that was like... What's going on with your show? There, there are people yeah. who have commented and messaged us about our oh, episode. That say are, it, but we're gonna we're gonna bleep all this. So, so because it was fucking excellent. That's some yeah. of the best acting. There, I've there ever are people. Seen from you guys. There are people alive who are convinced that this movie existed and did not think that there was a a, a, a work. Every once in a while, Willems will text me, and some someone on one of his social media platforms has asks him about it and wonders like where he found a copy of it. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. I'm that's one of the ones that I'm, there's a few episodes that I'm like purposely, like I've avoided for a while to really forget about. And then I'll go back and then one, one thing I did with that one, I'm going to cut all this out. But one thing I did with that one was like, I, it took me forever, but I'm like, I have to find something that sounds like real score to this movie that doesn't exist. And I think to this day, I've never actually told anyone where I got it from, <laughs> um, but I will. It's, I have to. I have to go back and find the piece. But yeah, it's so. It's a, it is a truly beautiful work of art. I must say. <laughs> to to get back to to yeah, the yeah. Avengers, uh, one of the highlights of this movie is actually the score. It's not good for this movie, but I bet listening to it on its own, it's a pretty good score. Yeah, it's it's got a it's a solid just Joel McNeely doing. There were multiple times where I was listening to the score and I was watching what was on screen. And I was like, this is not match at all, but it sounds pretty good. Oh yeah, 
No, like, that, and that was the thing I, I noticed watching is that for the most part, no, nobody's cheaping. Well, okay, there's one caveat is the, the, the digital effects are, and I cannot stress this enough, Power Rangers the movie level. Correct. Yes. Yeah. When, when Although <laughs> I admired, like, for the Wasp, like the Bee. Oh, when chase. Waspinator from Beast Wars shows up? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, those. Um, I did admire the way that they combined the practical models of the Wasps with the CGI, CGI yes. nastiness of it all. Effort was put in. It did not age well. But again, I I I, it, I did not feel like they were cheaping out on anything necessarily. Yeah, there, there's a great moment where uh, one of the wasps that's on fire is obviously thrown onto a puddle of gasoline, so that the fire will grow and <laughs> and and burn. And I noticed it, and it made me laugh, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. For the like, obviously, there's a prop guy just just off camera that just sort of drops it, yeah, into frame. I love it when um, I'm watching a movie that is failing where I can see the filmmakers having a good time making it. And it felt like for the shooting portion of the, of the process where they made the film, they had a good time. They still had hope. Well, like Ray Fiennes is having a good time with his character. Uma, Thur- Uma Thurman is like having fun pretending to be British. Sean Connery, who was sort of like a proto Bruce Willis in his, in that like the latter bit of his career, like why are you even here if you don't want to be here? I, I yeah. don't I don't like that about you. He um, he needed to provide that Frank Langella from uh from Cutthroat Island. Cutthroat Island, yeah. No, he's yeah. having. A gr- I love this. He, yeah. He's having a really good time. Although that scene where. Uh, Uma Thurman is drugged, yeah, and he is go- obviously going to sexually assault her. Is not cool. No, don't not care cool. for that. No, nope. makes it feel icky. And don't honestly, care. Honestly, makes a lot of the rest of James Bond feel icky as well. I mean, just yeah, have you, have you it's got that weird sort of reverse quality. Yeah, you did an interview in which you said. It's not the worst thing to slap a woman now and then. As I remember, you said you don't do it with a clenched fist. It's better to do it with an open hand. Mm. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't I, love that. I haven't changed my opinion. You haven't? No. But I was trying to figure out for the life of me whether or not Sean Connery wanted to be there. Because there are moments where it seems like he's leaning into the performance, and there are other moments where he doesn't have the energy that he needs to be the egomaniacal yes. person that he's trying to play. Like, when he's being kind of dead serious and cold and calculating, it works because that's it's just his shtick anyway. But he doesn't ever, like, except for his speech when he's done up in, you know, Scotland the Brave... Just like so Scottish, Jesus. yeah. Just, he loves he, being that man loves being that, Scottish. That was probably what know. heightened his performance in that scene. Sean Connery kind of got out of the game before he got to to like phone it in about yeah. everything. Like, I mean, he, the last the last movie he was in was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, um, well, which we will do on this show. I love that movie. Oh yeah, because I ju- I just rewatched it recently and and. It will make a good episode. Excellent. Um, well, because the reason he did that was because he was offered the role of Morpheus in The Matrix. He didn't get it. Yeah. Passed on it. Passed on Gandalf. Passed on Gandalf as well. He like he passed on a whole bunch of stuff that he didn't get. And uh, wait, how do you pass on something you don't get? What do you mean? 
Like he read the script uh, no, and didn't like, understand. He was offered it. Like so, like, like oh, they, oh, sorry. I thought you meant he yeah. like. Ah, I didn't get it. I didn't get the part. No, 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 um, yeah, no, no, no. no. He, sorry. Like, he, yeah. So like, like he was the first choice for Gandalf. He was the first choice for Morpheus. He read both those scripts, didn't understand what was going on, and just passed. So because he was almost eighty. <laughs> well, because he was yeah, because he was older, and he's like a working class dude, and yeah. like that's just not his jam. Which fair enough. Yeah. Um, but both those movies wound up being humongous. So, so here's here's a screen rant list of all of the roles that Sean Connery passed on. Gandalf oh, from Lord of the Rings. John Hammond, Jurassic Park. Morpheus, what? or the architect in the Matrix franchise. Uh, Albus Dumbledore, Harry Potter. Uh, Rick Deckard, Blade Runner. Wow, that um, would have been a different movie. Wait, Simon Gruber in Die Hard with a Vengeance. I'm trying to picture how old Sean Connery was during Blade Runner time. He would have been 50. He would have been in his 30s, yes. 20s. He would have been older than Harrison Ford. He would that have been is true. He was born 30s, in 90s. He was born in the 20s. Sean Connery was so born in 1930s. Like yeah. Yeah, he would have been like Never Say Never Again Bond. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He passed on God in Star Trek V. <laughs> that would have been good. But you got to think, that's, really? that's like 100... Yeah. Two hundred million dollars worth of roles yeah. that he just passed Humongous up on. Humongous movies. So like he took that lesson and was like, and he was offered *Leave a and Gentleman* and was like, I don't understand it, but I I didn't understand the last three scripts, so fuck it, I'll take it. Yeah. What and, a what a pain! Like that must suck. And then he retired from acting. He was yeah. no longer in films after that. He was done. He's at the roulette table and he sees red while he's betting on black. And then he sees red again and he bets on black. And he's like, red again and bets on black. And he's like, okay, fine. I'll switch to black. And it comes up red. Like, that yeah. is such a brutal... I mean, he had some good movies here and there. And The Rock and... and um, yeah. There has to be something else in the night. Yeah, no. Sean Connery still had a, a substantial career. <laughs> yeah, no. He yeah. did fine. <laughs> But yeah, but he was always playing like working class dudes, which is you know what he should have been doing. Even when he was in a fantastical setting, he was always playing like simple, not simple, but just like commoner working class dude. Even when he was playing King Arthur, he was commoner working class King Arthur. Yeah, with the exception of this movie where yeah. he is playing a like a like a Bond. The thing is, he's play- not only is he playing a Bond villain, but he's playing he's playing the enemy of the Scottish. He's playing. British nobility. Yeah. And he is he is saying as he in his acting, I hate these people. They are evil. And he's also getting to play a villain, which I don't think he did very much. Yeah. No, career. and 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 he's he if at all. In a in a stronger script, he'd be a good villain, I think. Yeah. Um he, he's playing. Has the, to be something I mean, you're work. right, Peter. He is Franklin Langelling the, the hell out of this role. Well, like, I I would like to see more Frank Langelling. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't. Thing. I don't I know if he gets there. I, I don't think he's having that much fun. I think he should be having more fun. Yeah. No, he's clearly not having a good time when he's doing the sword fighting, which is why the sword fight si- fighting scenes yeah. suck. Oh, I'm God. not even sure he's yeah. having um, a good time when he's in the teddy bear suit. <laughs> yeah, he's having a good time in the teddy bear suit, and he's having a great time in the kilt. Yeah, that, I mean that's yeah. yeah that. But that's so that so then this is what's like. You you're bringing you're you're specifically trying to say something by having Sean Connery be the villain, but like yeah. the the role, like who the villain is, has no you like you decided after the script was done that oh it'd be fun to have like a Bond villain a Bond actor play the villain without like 
taking it any f- further in terms of like what the villain means. It doesn't yeah. like it, what you, what you do, if you're going to go that route, if well, you could do a lot of things. One of the things, if you want to go the obvious, probably not the best way is like you have him be like, he was a British agent. Like he was the John Steed of his day. And now he's like, John Steed has to go up against like the old guard kind of thing. And now he's like an Alec Trevelyan kind of figure or, or you have him play like full on megalomaniac and said they like, he never really gets megalomaniac to the degree that you'd want a Bond villain to play off. The, like there is a moment in the greenhouse where he does that. Oh, all of that scene is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have no memory of a greenhouse in this entire film. Where he's like, I made the weather thing myself. It was oh, all yeah, yeah, me. Yeah, 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 and he's yeah, got Uma yeah. Thurman by the neck. Yeah. Which, again, again. I'm, I suspect that, that was Sean Connery's idea. Like well, no, he needed to like shut that. her up. He had something to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> I don't, mm-hmm. Yep. That was fine. I had no problem with that. But yeah. Monster. You're a monster. He's a monster. We're all monsters. Um, <laughs> but I think that's a perfect example of he's given the material to work with, but doesn't quite get there. Yeah. Well, and also who knows what they cut, what they cut Oh yeah. No, I And that's that it goes back to the original. That's the frustrating thing with this movie is like, we don't, you're watching the movie that they released, not the movie that they were trying to make. Yeah. And like, it's hard to judge anybody's performance, actor, director, anybody. Yeah. When a movie is as compromised as it is. As this as this movie is, yeah. Because again, it could have sucked. The director's cut of this movie could be just as bad as the movie that we got, but we'll never know. There's no version where it wouldn't have been more uh, more interesting to watch, though. Like I'm sure it would have been less studio right across the bow plane about like it would have been like that would have been a more interesting train wreck if it was bad it would have been more nuts it would have been like have you ever seen seen phantom of the paradise no No. oh we need to do phantom of the paradise it's um brian one of brian de palma's first films and it's just oh i think i know is this the phantom of the opera thing that is yo i know what you're talking about i've just not seen it yeah Yeah. And it's just pure it of a movie. It makes no fucking what it's a mess. What the fuck am I looking at? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I've, I've and you know seen... who that is behind that mask? Oh, God. It looks like something the Power Rangers would fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the guy behind that mask is the guy that writes like all the music for the Muppets. Good Lord. Yeah. We, no, 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 no. That's, that, that's the villain of the movie. The guy oh, the mask, sorry. The guy behind the mask was one of Brian De Palma's guys. Actually, we should bring back Gabe for that episode. For that this episode. looks yeah. awesome. Talking yeah, we should watch Bill. this. It's a it's a great it's a great movie that makes no that is a total mess. And it would have been and I and I think that if the Avengers that we the Avenger if the if the director of the Avengers who's I'm going to say his name again, uh, Jeremiah Chetrick, if Jeremiah Chetrick got his way. I think would have been as insane as Phantom of the Paradise. Yeah, I would be at least the Chechik cut. There you go. Yeah. Give Chechik the give Chechik the negatives. Well, what do we have to lose? And we, I think at least based off of what I was reading, we know that there was at least one cut of the movie that wasn't two hours because I think they screened yeah. it to people, so it in some mm. shape or form existed. So it wouldn't take a whole lot of effort to just, you know, hey, ten bucks. <laughs> Well, and that gets back to my Mad Men thing, because I think that what he was going for in the original version of this movie was to recapture that, like, 
that moment of glamour from the mid 60s, mm. mid to late 60s, that Mad Men wound up capturing and popularizing. Yeah. Um, that was kind of denied to this movie. Yeah. I didn't find, I didn't see the glamour here. I I really, I just couldn't. Really? I really didn't see the glamour. I didn't didn't think they photographed it glamorously. There's also, there, there is that, but like Uma Thurman is in a different outfit. Every, it's like, it's in a different era of the sixties in every, in every shot. Like there's some stuff where she's like all dressed up like a, like mod style. There's, she's got that like glamorous long leather trench coat Mm -hmm. in one scene. There's one scene where she's dressed up like Jackie O. So that's Um, actually a good question. Was this supposed to take place in the sixties? I, I yeah, I wanted to bring this up because someone mentioned that it was like taking place in the nineties. It takes place in yeah. whatever time Archer takes place in, <laughs> where you have all the convenience <laughs> of modern technology. But I don't think it's you know yeah, I don't think they were trying to set it specifically in the nineties. It was just like it's London, and then that's it, and use the aesthetics of the 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 sixties show that they wanted to use because there isn't a whole lot else that would say, oh, now we're in the modern day. Um, yeah, it's I think it's supposed to be out of time, so it doesn't date itself any more than it does by virtue of being a 60s property yeah. it's and it was the last moment like you could get away with that because it was right before you had the internet be yeah. a major component of everyday life yeah very yeah. much so can, can we touch on the mother and father of it all like yeah. we haven't talked about that and i'm assuming i'm assuming in the show if i had to guess there was mother was the character, but I would imagine it was more like a voice, like Charlie and Charlie's Angels kind of. So, feel. I so don't know how much mother it was, a was like the M of the yeah, show, yeah. and 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 mother mother was also in a wheelchair. Yep. Um, okay. And, there was no but, father, but, and though. also would like do a thing where like some like appear in a scene where somebody in a wheelchair could just not be like up a bunch of stairs, oh, <laughs> like, like on top of like the old Bailey or whatever, uh, and that was part of the joke. Mm-hmm. I like see that's that's kind of funny. There yeah. there was no father fa- fa- character. Father was not there. No, no that was invented for that. It just felt yeah. yeah okay. It's yeah fine whatever. But it was like that kind of thing where it was like so macaroons look delicious. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have had a macaroon before. Just oh, they're like, great. Not those massive ones that they had in the movie. No, I've had like the little great. French ones. Well, so yeah, there's like the French macaroon, which is like well, you know like, macarons and like macaroons. two cookies. Yeah, yeah, ma- yeah. There's there's yeah there's macaroons and there's macarons. And then there's like the American version of it, which is like a pile of coconut dipped in, yeah, baked and then dipped in chocolate. Yeah. There was nothing to, there's nothing to put my feet on to be like, I needed, no. like, I, I needed, and this is like, like bottom of the barrel. All I needed was like, John, like one of them has an intern that just gets hired and it's like straight up a 90s American kid that ju- it just is not getting. But it's trying to like it doesn't want to like get fired. You want so the exposition to, like, character, just, just like the character that Not shows up so everything exposition. can be explained I just to want, them. I just need someone to acknowledge the absurdity a little bit in the in the sense of it because there's in in because this whole world is in on the joke. In which case, it's like nothing's funny because like it's just yeah. a it's like a it's like a silly world that everyone is playing it straight and therefore like. Is it supposed to be funny, or am I supposed to believe this world? I need someone to find this absurd in the movie. Ray Fine should literally be winking at the camera every other scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he almost all, does. Any anytime, anytime they um, they had like the subtitle, like type on screen of like you know, like father, head of security, mini- the the ministry. Mm-hmm. 
I definitely heard the the Austin Powers. Dun 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 dun. dun. Yeah. Dun dun. dun. Um. <laughs> It's that's a really good cue, and I never really respected <laughs> how much that's in my head. Where I knew where, all you had to say was Austin Powers, and, I, and the music came in. Yeah, yeah. I never yeah. think about the Austin Powers score. Oh, that's it's really good. It's really good. It's it's super useful, and like, and it's also like it, it it's not like anything that was ever in like '60s spy movies, but um, you know, sounds just enough like it that it makes total sense. Yeah, I mean, it, and I. Th- it, it, Part of it too is you could almost keep the ninety minute cut of the movie, but like the the way that you enter this world is three minutes of like the credits to Perfect Dark, so you're being set up for a very different movie than what you're getting. Like if it had been yeah. a more hokey, tongue in cheek, psychedelic credit sequence, you'd be like, okay, this isn't going to be this more grounded, whatever, like type toned film but because we get that like very late 90s three minutes of just like that this is what's happening you go into it thinking okay this is going to be a very modern take on it and then it's not and you you already feel like you you're caught flat-footed i think the scene that's supposed to you're supposed to be like oh i get it now is the John Steed introduction where he just keeps getting attacked (laughs) by people and i'm watching it and i'm sitting there i'm like okay I, i get what they're doing this should be funny. This is like, but it it landed like, it landed like any not well-known Leslie Nielsen comedy. You know, the ones like the Spy Hard or all those ones where it's like, man, this is not really working at all. The problem with that that scene is that they shot it on the street of a like sleepy British village and they shot it, they should have shot it in London. Oh yeah. As it is, it feels like Hot Fuzz where it's like the whole thing, like the whole joke is that like the... The elderly British lady has a submachine gun in her pram. Um, and if they had, pl- like, there isn't, so the old 1980s, 90s um, Sherlock Holmes TV series mm-hmm. um, had an opening that was exactly this, where, where he went along the street and he got accosted by some ruffians and he fought them off. And then um, the opening credits started and he was. He he did the same thing with the um, the umbrella, using it as like a thing to lift him up. But instead, he kicked one of his uh, assailants in the face, and they had like mm-hmm. blood all over their face. Yeah, so it was like kind of gritty. Yeah, and then I think that was just like a budget thing. Yeah, you know, what is it with the English and umbrellas? I know it. It o- rains there. Uh, a lot. Yeah, I can. I just between this and that and uh, Kingsman. <laughs> if you guys are looking for a birthday present for me. An umbrella with a sword in it is is a good gift. Just oh, saying. I cannot <laughs> wait to get to the age where it's appropriate for me to have a cane with a sword in it. <laughs> what's the What's the youngest you can be where that's? I mean, cool? I oh, if you're I like, was going to say I know a guy who has one who's younger than I am, but he's not cool. See, <laughs> no, I, see, I, see that I had to walk around some... with a cane for about a year because because of a, yeah. a leg accident, and the number of people that asked me like if I was going to get the 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 sword with the cane mm-hmm. in it. And I, I thought about it for about half a second. Yeah. And yeah. then I just pictured myself in a fedora and a trench coat. And I said, no. Yeah, that's exactly that's where my head goes. You, you cannot, thing. if you're, you might as well have an umbrella with the samurai sword handle oh, on it. Like one exactly. of those guys. You're just like, yeah. fuck the, off. The, the sword and the cane is the umbrella, is, is the fedora and trench coat of our age. Actually, when I was at your wedding, Peter, and I had a cane because I had yeah. broken, that's right. recently oh, right. Yeah. broken my foot. 
people asked me if my cane had a had a sword in it, which it did not, unfortunately. I need a little bit more gray in my beard before that happens. Yeah, you need to be able to make... You have to make louder noises when you get up and sit down. <laughs> that's part of it. And you also have to be at an age where like people actually listen to you. Like that. That's another part of it. Like Adults listen to you. Yeah. You also need to be in a situation where you might be accosted by ruffians. Yeah. Which... It's not a lot of ruffians left anymore. No, they're like it's not. There's straight not. Up, yeah, they're I mean, like, at your like age, you might, get, you might get jumped by some guys. Yeah, but you won't be accosted by ruffians. No, no, no. It's it's rarely I, I find myself accosted by ruffians these days in this in this era. <laughs> I do not enjoy this. <laughs> me, me neither. And I'm glad it's done. And I, I'm glad we're done talking about it. I had fun. I had fun watching the film. I had more fun talking to you. I had guys more fun about talking it. about it. Yes. Yeah. I was looking forward to this conversation. I did not care for the movie. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I did not care for the movie. I would want, if, if ever there was a director's cut that was released, I would watch it for the academic ex- exercise. I would wait yeah. for you three to watch it and tell me if I should watch it. But That's what I would do. Jer- yes. Jeremiah Chechik, by the way, went on to have a very successful career directing television. That doesn't surprise me me good i'm He's glad good no one, yeah everyone no no he, this isn't this isn't like career ending bad yeah. well um, and we're also not mad at him no. we're mad at no studio. no of course not yeah of course not um with the 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 list of 90s movies based on tv shows from the 60s that i put there um i'm curious what which ones stand out to you guys that you you've you found yourself enjoying because we've all seen most of these I think. well mission impossible is that's yeah. i'm not counting it, yeah, it's yeah, the outlier like, because that yeah. turned into a franchise that and the fugitive, and it was directed by Brian well, De Palma. Well, the, fu- <laughs> the fugitive is its own kind of, um, um, like supernova because it's like a really excellent film that yeah spawned a sequel that didn't have Harrison yep. Ford in it. U.S. Marshals, uh, yeah, which is a good movie as well. Um, I am a lost in space apologist. Oh yeah, I think, I think I am too. I still to this day. One of the coolest shots in all of cinema. Yes, to me, I know exactly what you're thinking about. Is when fucking Joey from Friends <laughs> like has oh has that yep. armored head thing uh-huh. come up. But it's not it's not just that the armored head thing is cool because it's an amazing design. But the framing of it, it starts behind him. I can't turn my head because I got I have the microphone. But it starts coming. You see the back of his head. It comes up behind him, and then as it comes to the top of his head, he turns to face the camera, and it finishes coming down. Yeah, framed perfectly. Oh, it's, and yeah. then he aims this awesome gun and turns his head to the side. It's so. It's way better than that movie. Oh, it is shows. cool. But I, it's, had, I it did enjoy Lost in Space. I had that gun for a long time. I don't know where that is, but I I miss it terribly. Yeah, I mean, from this list, yeah, that would probably be the outlier. I know that Wild Wild West did not age well, despite the fact that I probably enjoyed it as a child. <laughs> I think I'd enjoy it a little bit now. It's pretty. It's it's goofy enough. Yeah. I I don't know. Um, That's worth a Mikhail's, revisit. Mikhail's Navy's one. I'm curious about I, Matt. You haven't seen it, but I'm, I I'd actually really like to make you see it. That's <laughs> all right. Well, what was the the um, up periscope? I feel like is, down periscope. Well, no, but because so there is. Yeah, I mix those yeah, up too. I think they're. I feel like I feel like. That's the good version of that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're very similar. But Mikhail's Navy has a great Tim Curry villain performance, so oh, you can't fun. really put a price on yeah. that. Yeah, Sergeant Bill, Sergeant Bilko, another one of those. Another one of those. Oh, is that six, based on a show? It is apparently. Yeah, there's a lot um, of these where I just thought they were movies and didn't. Yeah, really realize, well, and but. it was just mining the boomers for nostalgia, and yeah. it happened to come out at a moment where like. We are nostalgic for it in retrospect because we were ten when all those movies came out. And yeah, all movies are good when you're ten. 
Yeah. I was about to say, I remember being a 10-year-old and loving my favorite Martian. I thought it was very good. I, uh, I haven't seen that I one, saw it actually, once. Yeah. Christopher Lloyd. It's a weird Christopher one. Lloyd, yeah. And Jeff Daniels? I haven't seen it since it came out, but I remember certain moments of it very vividly. I remember being exactly. entirely shocked and stunned by the, the when Christopher Lloyd dies on an operating table. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that yeah, was a little great. disturbing. Wait is, that, is, wait, is that Jeff Daniels and Christopher Lloyd? Yeah. Oh, I have seen that with the the suit. Yeah, the, the silver everybody's suit. chewing the, gum. The All the aliens are chewing gum to keep their yes human form. Yeah. Wait, no, the chewing gum is from. No, chew- some other alien. Chewing movie. gum is. Uh, that, oh, I, you know what? There's also chewing gum in Mars Attacks, which is a whole. Oh yeah, different yeah. Well, scene. that. And then my brain also connected when the French guys in the movie, in the 90s Godzilla movie, are trying to sneak past. (laughs) 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 Oh, no. Um, I do remember Dudley Do-Right being, and and Inspector Gadget being two movies where I'm like, oh, right, movies can be terrible. Like, I, I, I understand that now. Well, the thing is, George of the Jungle was actually pretty good. Yeah, I you know, I only saw that in theaters. Never again. Is that you know, well, and George of the Jungle was one of those that that got the joke. Yes, yeah. Yeah. and Brendan Fraser was tremendous, and it wouldn't have worked with anybody besides Brendan Fraser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a gift to us. I all. can't. I yes. can't. I, I'm looking forward to the continued Brendan Fraser sons. Sure, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm so happy he's back. Yeah, missed him. Well, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I'll do better next time. This was. It's. It was literally. I thought of the joke of making you think we were watching the other one, and then everything else rippled out from there. So. <laughs> I no, did you not think further about it. Then you, you shot just, yourself in the foot, Frank. You shot yourself right in the foot. <laughs> Congratulations, you, you got us. You, and you got us good, and, and I think it worked out for the best. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been no flicks given. <laughs> Having said all of that, fuck out of here with your dollar store bond song at the end of the credits. <laughs> no. No.